0: You're listening to the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Vicky Marinka, a podcast bringing you interesting conversations about careers and communications. Today, I'm talking with Rachel Miller. Rachel is a consultant, trainer and podcaster and a recognized authority on internal communications. In this episode, we're talking about culture and collaboration and the impact of COVID on the way companies engage with employees both now and in the future. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. Nice to be here.
0: So I always start by asking a couple of questions, which give you a chance to introduce yourself. So let's dive in. Give me your elevator pitch and how you describe what you do to strangers.
1: I say I help professional communicators through consultancy, training and mentoring to help them thrive in their roles. Nice. I think you've practiced that. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell? I have. Um, Yes, indeed.
0: Give me a potted history of your career and some information about your current role.
1: I started my career as a journalist back in 1999, and I discovered the wonderful world of internal communication in 2003. I worked in-house predominantly for large corporates uh, for a decade specializing in internal communication. And then I also was head of comms and looking at internal and external communication. So four years as a journalist, 10 years in-house, and then I launched my own consultancy, all things I see in 2013 to help support, nurture and guide internal communicators and never look back. Absolutely love being my own boss and now have the opportunity to work as a trainer, mentor and a consultant. And what kind of people do you help? All sorts, <laughs> all sorts of people. So some of the work that I do is advising people without me actually being involved. So I have a blog on internal comms that I've written for the past 12 years, and that's for people to help themselves. There's 1,500 articles on there, so 11 books worth of content. And that's normally people who are stuck working in internal comms, and they go to my blog for advice and guidance. So sometimes I'm helping people without knowing But the majority of work that I do is helping professional communicators, so maybe they're directors of internal comms, or they're working on a change communication project. And I'm a go to person to help professional communicators increase their skills, knowledge and confidence on all things internal comms related.
0: That's quite a bank of blogs you've got there. Have you ever been tempted to write a book? (laughs)
1: i've been asked that so many times my my response is always never say never um i don't feel the need to write a book at the moment but there is 11 books worth of content on there and i have contributed to a fair number of industry books over the years as well i've I've written chapters for various best-selling pr books
0: so we're recording this podcast in may 2021 Uh, Many of us have been working from home for over a year now and some people have started new jobs without ever meeting their colleagues or leaders. Things are now slowly unlocking. The government's told us we can hug people again. Hooray! Whoever thought that the government would give us guidance on who to hug? Um, So what impact has remote working had on employees in your experience?
1: I think the past year has been fascinating for internal communicators. I think the impact of remote working has varied depending on personal circumstances for our employees. So some people have absolutely thrived and they've loved working at home. Others have struggled with it, with the lack of social interaction, with the inability to meet with their teams face to face. Some people have had caring responsibilities or homeschooling responsibilities. So it depends who you ask It will depend on the experience that they've had when thinking about employee engagement and how motivated and how inspired and how connected our employees have been. Again, it will vary depending on the culture of the organisation, the way things are done around here. And we've had to innovate. We've had to come up with new ways of helping people have a sense of belonging when We can't be together in person and we can't hug and we can't have what makes us intrinsically human, that social interaction and the ability to connect with each other. And it's had a huge impact for leaders in the way that they work and a huge impact for every every part of society, really. For some organisations and some employees with frontline workers, there's been no change. So a very long answer to a short question is, It depends on on the type of organisation and and workers. The the experience has been variable, but the key bit for us as internal communicators is how we help our people feel connected, whatever their circumstance. Yeah. And you've
0: mentioned, obviously, the, the issues around cohesive culture and people having a sense of belonging. What good examples have you seen over the last year of companies nurturing that?
1: I think it's been an iteration. I think no one knew how long this would go on for. And I think if we think about the definition of culture I use is the way things are done around here. And very often your culture depends on things like artifacts. It depends on physical things. So that's, you know, the experience that you have inside an office, whether it's got bean bags and whether it's got foosball tables and everything there makes up your culture and it makes up what it's like to be part of a certain organization. and. What's happened as a result of the pandemic is we've lost those physical artifacts. We've lost those places where we go to feel a sense of purpose or feel a sense of you know work. This is what we do and, and how we do it. So I've seen companies try to reimagine that. They've tried to recreate that. They've tried to have virtual award ceremonies. They've moved their town hall or their all-employee meetings online rather than being in person. So we've been trying to bring our people together, even though we're apart. And I've seen some great examples of organisations trying things out, testing all sorts of different technologies and different platforms to see what works. So I've certainly had conversations with clients and comms friends where they've tried things out and they haven't worked. And they've been constant conversations and constant listening to say, is this working? We're trying to reimagine our all employee meeting in person, but do so with technology. And if it's not working, how can we constantly listen? And the best companies for me are when we're really upfront about that to say, we've never done this before. We're going to try this out. We want to work with you, let us know what you think. We're open to improvement. And that for me is where that sweet spot happens between an organization's um, broadcast communication, you know, one-way communication and two-way, which is being open and collaborative and listening and working it out together. How easy is it
0: to communicate strategy and change when people aren't physically in the same space?
1: I think that's been one of the hardest things for internal communicators to navigate through the pandemic, particularly when you're having difficult conversations and difficult change, like job losses or redundancies, you need to have those discussions face-to-face ideally to be empathetic-led discussions where you can really connect with somebody while you're giving them difficult news. So I think that has been one of the hardest things to help leaders learn the skills in terms of how to have that conversation via video call it's not the same it will never be the same but those conversations have needed to happen so I've certainly experienced various conversations with with clients and comms friends in how do we do that how do we equip leaders to feel comfortable being uncomfortable to be able to express empathy to stay on message and stay on track when we're doing so through a screen and there's a challenge that I think will probably continue, but hopefully in the, in, in the short term at least, but hopefully in the longer term, we will go back to face to face for those sorts of conversations because they deserve it.
0: And presumably a lot of those managers and leaders will never have done this kind of thing through a screen and they won't have had the opportunity to take training either.
1: Absolutely, and some people have never done it before at all. So uh, you you hear their peers. I do lots of peer to peer work with leaders, and to get them comfortable being uncomfortable, and give them practice sessions to talk through these types of conversations. And for some people, they've never had to have such a difficult conversation, and then to do so through a screen makes an already tough task even more difficult for them. So I really feel for leaders who have had to have difficult conversations remotely and while trying to be supportive through a screen. And companies are beginning
0: to return to the workplace. Is hybrid working the most popular model and and what does that look like, do you think?
1: Hybrid working is... A really noisy conversation in internal comms right now and i always like to break it down and bust through jargon when i'm helping organizations think about the way that they're working so hybrid typically means a combination of two things it's most commonly used in cars for us as organizational communicators when we look at our organizations and the different working patterns that are in place there's more than just two things so Within organisations at the moment, you might have people who are working from home 100% of the time, and that will be the same situation in the future. You might have people who want to do two days in the office or three days in the office. And the conversation for me around hybrid working is as much about busting through the jargon as it is about making decisions. So what is it that we're going to try and do? Is it flexible working? Is it blended working? On my blog back in 2015, I featured Stephen Murgatroyd um, as an internal communicator, and we were talking about work is a thing you do, not a place you go. And that was, you know, six years ago. And I think that mindset has been absolutely proven over the past year, where for some organisations, for you know, bus drivers and train drivers, it is a place you go because you can't do your job from home. But for others, we've discovered that actually we can do pretty well working remotely so the conversations that are happening now in 2021 when we're thinking about a return to the workplace is people are open to experimenting and seeing what model would would suit and seeing what would fit for me the conversations about hybrid are around your culture and it's about how we set up our organization for success so how do we have the right culture in place which is the way things are done around here how do we make that work now which may include people working in an office space, and it may include them working from home. Mm. And do you
0: think that the hybrid model will change the purpose of the physical workplace, the physical office?
1: I'm certainly seeing that with conversations I'm having with clients and comms friends, where the best example I've seen of that, or the clearest example I've seen of that, actually, was from the very group where their people officer was talking recently, their chief people officer, Sarah Willits, was talking about the fact that at home... Our employees are really productive. And when they come into the office space, it's to dose up on culture. So it's really clear separation around we know that our people can work well from home. And the purpose of our office is where they come to dose up on the culture and be together and connect and collaborate in person. And that's probably the clearest example that I've seen in terms of what is the purpose of the office. And they've reimagined their office space, they've redesigned it to enable teams to come together. So it's not the place you necessarily go to get things done as individuals, but it's where you go to connect and communicate and collaborate. So I think the best examples for me that I'm seeing in terms of what works for hybrid working is when people are really listening to their employees and they're making it clear in terms of this is where you go to do what.
0: What issues does hybrid working raise for employees that internal comms people need to be mindful of?
1: I think, Mental health and wellbeing is a really key consideration because when your people are working from home and if they have felt quite isolated and maybe if they live alone, they've felt quite lonely, I think it's everybody's responsibility to be mindful of that. So it's not just internal comms, it's it's the whole business, particularly HR and internal comms can work really well to facilitate conversations and perhaps equip line managers with the right tools and te- techniques to check in with their teams I think what has happened in the pandemic with people working remotely is leaders have been checking up, not checking in with their teams. And there's a real difference there. You feel the difference as an employee when your manager is checking up versus checking in. So from an internal comms perspective, I think being mindful of how we support our employees so they're able to bring them, their whole selves to work, they're able to thrive in their roles is always important. When we can't see them and when they feel quite disconnected um, as a a group because of the number of workplaces that we have and a number of spare bedrooms that people are using or kitchen tables that they're using, it's made that even more important and even harder. And have you
0: seen good examples that you can cite of internal comms and HR teams working together to support employees'
1: mental health? I've seen examples where... The conversations have been focused on listening to employees and we have some brilliant awareness initiatives. I know the Mental Health Awareness Days and Mental Health Awareness Weeks. And the best examples for me is when it becomes business as usual to talk about mental health. So it's great to have these awareness days and weeks. But for me, what really stands out is when it's built in to the conversations so, team leaders, for example, having regular team meetings, gathering their team together, and starting with a well-being moment or a mental health moment. So taking the time to chat and to listen and to say, How are we? Like, how are we really? Those conversations and those chance conversations that we would normally have in person, where we would see each other in an office, perhaps, and notice that someone's shoulders are a bit slumped or they're not, they're not their normal self that's been a lot harder to be able to keep an eye on our people and and really check in with them and see how they're doing. So good examples for me are where we've found different ways to enable us to have these conversations still, and we're building it into business as usual communication.
0: There's, you know, it's been a real challenge for comms people, I think, over the last year, comms has, has risen up the agenda in a kind of crisis capacity. Do you fear that there might be burnout in in some areas for for comms people and you know how how do you how do you look at that how do you resolve that
1: I'm yet to speak to an internal communicator who isn't stressed I think particularly the work that I do with very senior you know, heads of internal comms and directors of internal comms, we are always in a really super visible role where everything we do and everything we say is up for scrutiny and we're defending our teams and we're working a very senior level with stakeholders. So you're always in that visible role. And then coupled into that has been the pandemic and trying to you're in crisis mode. So that adrenaline that you get when you're in crisis mode of battling through wears off. And I think the relentlessness and the pace of 2020, 2021 has caused a lot of people to burn out. Mm. When you are in that super visible role, and you are the go to person internally for everybody else to come to, you also need a safe space to offload. And that's why I'm really proud of the work that I'm doing as a mentor particularly to support and nurture internal communicators at all levels but particularly the most senior when they are typically the most visible and people are struggling and they're very stressed right now
0: do you think companies at a high level at leadership level are aware of that
1: I think leaders are feeling it too And Mm. I think part of the conversation around mental health for me is making it okay to talk about it internally and making it okay to admit when we're struggling and that we need help. Very often we talk about employee assistance programs, but how many of us actually pick up the phone ourselves and access that help ourselves. So I think if anyone's listening to this and nodding along, thinking I'm feeling really stressed, there's probably support mechanisms inside your organization if you're working in-house that can help you and advise you. So, We need to talk the talk and walk the walk, I think, ourselves and put our own oxygen masks on first. Yeah, good point. What do you think will never be the
0: same again post-COVID?
1: I think we'll never have a discussion that says you can't do your job from home. So I think there's been conversations about flexible working for years inside organisations. And there are certain jobs that you can't do from home if you're a bus driver or if you're, you know, a bank clerk where you're moving significant sums of of money across systems that you wouldn't want to trust a VPN connection from home. I think for most organisations who've had the conversations about flexible working where there's been barriers in place saying, we just can't imagine how this would work. We need to have our employees together in person um, you know, bums on seats in offices. That conversation has shifted, where we've been able to prove that actually we can work from home when we're forced to work from home. So I think the barriers to having the conversation about flexible working have changed. I don't think we'll ever be able to say it's not possible to work from home because we've proven otherwise. It's so interesting that looking back
0: on, you know, recruitment a couple of years ago, if someone had asked me if a company offers flexible working, it was something that we had to kind of beg for, you know, mm. and the, um, the new employee would have to influence and uh, improve themselves. And, you know, it, it's, it was a massive trust issue for a lot of companies. And now it's just got to be part of life. I think right I
1: think I think it is a trust issue I think most of the reasons people have said no is because they can't imagine it because they've not seen it before and they think that people are going to get distracted by the washing or whatever you know whatever it might be at home that that would distract them and actually without commuting times you know I've I've worked from home regularly for years particularly when I worked in-house if I had to do really deep work if I was doing change comms planning or strategy I would quite regularly work from home to get really deep thinking done and to not be disturbed because when you are working in internal comms and you are in an office people will stop by your desk and talk to you constantly so I certainly found for my in-house career working from home was to have uninterrupted working time so it is a question of trust you're right it's being able to prove how not just how productive you can be but how trustworthy you are that you will get things done
0: you've got a lovely office there, which I can see that lovely teal wall behind you. Do you spend much time there or do you still work from home?
1: So I opened the All Things I See Hub in 2020 at the end of January, 2020. And it was open for eight weeks and it was full of internal communicators coming along for training courses and team days, which was wonderful. And then it sat empty for 13 months where we were in lockdown. I was homeschooling three young children And now I'm starting to come back and I'm here by myself. So I'm very lonely (laughs) (laughs) here. It's a beautiful space and it's been designed to have have internal communicators around me and have the space to work together, a very dedicated space. So I'm spending a lot more time here and can't wait for all the restrictions to lift to be able to revive the purpose of this place, which is a beautiful backdrop for videos for my online masterclasses and to have calls from. It's a lovely backdrop, but. The purpose is to be together face to face. So I'm looking forward to that happening. Are you ready for my final
0: round of questions? I am. Here we go. What one campaign or project will you be remembered for?
1: I'd like to be remembered for amplifying the voices of internal communicators. We spend so much time helping other people have their voices heard. And I would like to think that particularly through my blog that I've provided a platform for other internal communicators to have their voices heard
0: who from history would you most like to have had the opportunity to work with or do the communications for
1: Audrey Hepburn oh interesting I think she was wonderful there's so much about her which is admirable from her incredibly tough childhood and upbringing to her work in the movies to her humanitarian work at the end of her life just an absolutely inspirational incredible woman if there was any way I would have had any opportunity to help her communicate that would have been an absolute joy and privilege I love that answer what advice would you give to someone just
0: starting their comms career or looking for their first internal communications opportunity
1: so I've got three three short ones which are be visible get known and build your network and they all tie into each other so you need to If you want to work in internal communication, my advice is to get known for that. So find people who are working in internal comms, show up, add value to the community. So when people are searching for you, if you're applying for jobs, you start to surface and you're there where professional communicators are having conversations. So you're showing up and adding value and giving back when you don't need something. So then when you're applying for jobs, your name is already cropped up and known in those circles.
0: Pay it forward. Always. yeah. Mm. What predictions do you have for the future of internal communication?
1: I think we'll continue to see a disseminated model of communication where we have quite fragmented organizations, probably due to the hybrid model where I don't think we're going to be able to have all of our employees in one place at one time anymore. I think that will feel like a luxury going forward. I feel like for the future of internal comms, We will be looking at the fragmented conversations and curating those conversations a lot more. We're seeing that with user-generated content, so employees sharing their stories. Where we're not writing everything, we're moving from content creators to content curators. And I think that will continue. And finally,
0: what's the most ridiculous or embarrassing thing you've done in the name of communication?
1: I had such a long
0: list. It was hard to choose.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I think I was thinking right back to my very first job uh, as a journalist where we were raising money for a local hospice. We were trying to raise £100,000 and I was trying to imagine how we would inspire our community to raise money for the hospice because most of us have had... Uh, relatives or, or friends who've been impacted by the hospice, and I remember saying to my news editor, "Wouldn't it be great if someone did a parachute jump, and then we could have a whole spread of photographs, and it would all be sponsored?" And he said, "Off you go, then." <laughs> so I did. So I ended up doing a parachute jump to raise money for the local hospice, and it's taking being a journalist to the extreme. But it was wonderful. I loved it. Wow, and brave woman! <laughs> it amazing, was great, and it raised a lot of money as well, which is the most important thing.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Rachel. It was really great to have you on the podcast. I'm thrilled that you joined me. Thank you. Nice to be here. You've been listening to the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast. If you'd like to get hold of me, I'm on the usual social media channels with the handle the DSTM podcast. All the episodes are on the podcast page of my website, vickymarinka.com, where you'll also find resources about corporate comms, careers and professional development. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends and colleagues and don't forget to subscribe for more interesting conversations about careers and communications. Until next time, thanks for listening.